Hello, and thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. short story. If you've heard it before, don't say anything to ruin it. If you haven't, take a listen. Oh boy. This is all OG. Never mind, sorry. That was in my head. Oh wow. Alright, here's a little story for you guys. There's a man named Juan who comes up to the Mexican border on his bicycle. He has two large bags over his shoulders. The guard stops him and says, what's in the bags? Sand, answered Juan. The guard says, we'll just see about that. Get off the bike. The guard takes the bags, rip them apart. He empties them out and finds nothing in them but sand. He detains Juan overnight, has the sand analyzed, only to discover that there's nothing but pure sand in the bag, in the bags. The guard released Juan, put the sand into new bags, lifts them onto the man's shoulders, and lets him cross the border. A week later, the same thing happens. The guard asks, what have you got? Sand, says Juan. The guard does the same thorough examina examination and discovers that the bag contains nothing but sand. He gives the sand back to Juan, and Juan crosses the border on his bicycle again. This, this sequence of events is repeated every day for three years. Finally, Juan doesn't show up one day, and the guard happened to see him in a cantina in Mexico. Hey, buddy, says the guard. I know you're smuggling something. It's driving me crazy. It's all I think about. I can't sleep. Just between you and me, what are you smuggling? Juan sips his beer and says, bicycles. Every day he was coming in on a new bicycle. The guard was focused on what's in the bag. Why does he have sand? It's not drugs. So why is he, why is he taking sand across the border every day? So the guard wasn't focused on the right thing. That's the moral of the story. Um, just kind of, I think, is a fun little story. Um, kind of, in a way, correlates to a little bit of John 14, in a way. Um, kind of just a matter of asking yourself, like, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the right thing? All right, we're in John 14 today. I've heard the story, I heard that little story years ago, and it's always been my head. <laughs> I've heard it differently. I've not heard it that version, but I heard it in a way that is a little more comprehensive. It says, like, he rides across and walks back, and so you, you kind of catch that he's Okay, yeah. Kind of, yeah, that kind of, like, makes without, it a little more obvious. And, yeah, without saying it. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. All right, so we're in John 14. Does somebody want to start reading... There's so much here. There is so much in John 14. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's do 1 through 14. Um, I might be on this first half for the majority of the time and the second half of John 14 for a short period of time, but we'll see how it goes. Um, anybody want to read... 14 verses 1 through 14. 
or part of it and popcorn to somebody else. I can do it. Go for it. All right. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way, and you know the way to where I am going. Okay, sorry, that was perfectly said. Okay, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have also known my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Awesome. So at this point in time when Jesus is saying all of this, um, his public ministry is over. This is all leading up to his crucifixion. He's with his disciples and all of this. And the next, you know, quite a bit is all just Jesus and his disciples before his... Um, his sentencing to death. Um, so his public ministry is over. This is all just with his disciples now. Um, and then there's a lot of red text the next few chapters. It's almost entirely just Jesus talking. A um, lot to really chew on here. I mean, even just the very first verse. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. The fact that Jesus is telling us, don't let your hearts be troubled, I think that's a choice. I think he's saying that's a choice of ours, that we can choose to let our hearts be troubled or to choose to not let them be troubled. Because I don't think he'd give us a command if it's something that we're not able to do. I don't think he'd be like, guys, just jump up and touch the sky and you know jump over house to house. He wouldn't say something that's just not possible for us to do. If Jesus is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled, I think that means that we have the choice to not let our hearts be troubled. And it shows that that's a, you know, it's a mindset. It's a, you know, a, a place of where your heart's at. You know, you can kind of control, you can control that. Because really, I mean, if your heart's troubled, if you're fearing, if you're scared, whatever, like that's perfectly normal. Right. You know, he's addressing that. He knows that their hearts are troubled, which is why he's telling them, don't let them be troubled. It's kind of like every time an angel shows up. He, they're like, hey, 
Don't be Don't afraid. Be Don't afraid. be afraid. Because they're <laughs> yeah. clearly afraid the moment an angel appears to them. So <laughs> For good reason. He's addressing something here. He's like, look, basically, I know your hearts are troubled, but... Don't let them be. It's okay. Choose to not let your hearts be troubled. I think with that commandment comes the capability to keep the commandment of not letting your hearts be troubled because Jesus gave us the commandment. Anything else, uh, but before we go into anything else here, anything stand out to you guys or is interesting or questions or comments? I think I like to think of that, what you're talking about is like, we have authority over our heart. We have, we have the ability, like you're saying, the choice to allow the environment and circumstances to impact our heart to the point where we do become troubled or to trust, which is the solution to not letting our hearts be troubled, right? Trust in God and trust also in me. So that trust is the foundational truth that we can stand firm on that allows us to not let our hearts be troubled. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do. I really like that verse. Yeah, that's, well. that's perfect. Yeah, that correlation in the second half of that first verse, it's basically like, don't let your hearts be troubled. How? Trust in God and also trust in me. He's, he's like, look, I'm, I'm addressing an issue that's, you know, a heart issue with you guys. You guys are all troubled. Well, let me tell you how to choose not to be. Trust in me. Trust in me. Mm-hmm. Right? If, you know, if, if you're saying, I, I feel like whenever anybody says trust me, they're trying to tell someone to, to not be troubled. Like if it's you know, a matter of like someone walking blindfolded over something and somebody has to guide them, you're like, hey, trust me, it's okay. You know, you're saying trust me because you're like, hey, like, it's okay. You'll, you'll be okay. This past, this, he literally yesterday for the sermon, he did, uh, Pastor Phil did, like, trust falls. It was on, <laughs> and he, he had, uh, he was like, Pastor Jay, do you trust me? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, do you know how to do a trust fall? He's like, yeah. And so he had him, he just randomly pulled one of the pastors up, had him do a trust fall. And then he's like, all right, can you catch me? And then he brought his son up, uh, and then they, he, like, got up on a ladder, and he was, like, gonna do a trust fall from the ladder. I was like, they are not going to catch this guy. But it was, he didn't actually do it. It was just really funny. It was for an illustration. Nice. All right, what else? Anything else during the, this first half here stick out to you guys? Um, it reminded me, like, the other night we were talking about um, different dreams, right, that we have and how sometimes they are nightmares. Other times they're funny ones. And you were saying about, like, trying to start a dream like intentionally you know start one or maybe change the scenario because it's either a nightmare or whatever um so it's just really cool that like um he's saying for your heart not to be troubled and this is how you do it he is the truth he is the life like if you continue to you know seek him and ask him for things um he he will come through like he will have your back so like um many times i've had you know uh things in my mind all day long from either family 
stuff or um a friend's like relationship is in my in in my head and like at night i'll start to like think about it so much that i'll start having a dream about it and there was one specific time that like i started dreaming about something about this friend's relationship and then like i consciously like noticed that it was that the dream was gonna go really bad and i intentionally like stopped i kind of like caught myself i don't know like how you know and i felt god was telling me like hey you know like stop dreaming try to think of something else and at that moment like i stopped that dream I'm like nope we're not going there we're not gonna dream that because it's not gonna be good i don't want to have that in my head and i need to like pray about this so you know intentionally like not letting your heart be troubled even in dreams and thinking about something else or i've also had to stop the dream and just start praying like you know literally open my my eyes so that i don't go back to that dream and i look at the ceiling you know distract myself and start praying and like speaking god's word so that it can change and that my heart doesn't be troubled um but yeah that's just some practical ways that i've done myself like what's saying here and relying on god's word so that you know i put all the burden and all the worries in him and I shouldn't be carrying that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, verse six is pretty well known. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Has anybody ever thought about what those three things mean? When it says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I have an example. I am the way. Imagine you're somewhere say either pre-cell phones or without your cell phone and you need to figure out how to get from point A to point B from where you're at to where you need to get going you might ask someone for directions say hey how do I get to this place and they're like oh okay so you gotta go left then you make another left you go right you're gonna go onto that street um, you're gonna see this building you're gonna go past that building you're gonna come go around the circle third exit to the right um, and then, you know, if you, if you see, you know, this, then you went too far, just turn around and go back down that road. You'd be like, okay, all right, cool. I think I got it. And you start going, you, you might not remember it all. Mm-mm. And if you don't remember the exact directions given and if you don't follow them to a T, you're going to get lost. Now, imagine someone saying, when you ask, hey, how do I get to this place? They go, oh. I'll take you there. Follow me. Let's go. We'll go together. Completely different story. Completely different outcome. Story day. I've got an actual story for you now. Um, About uh, five years ago or so, I was in Europe, and I was traveling by myself, and at one point, um, I was lost (laughs) Um, at, at a few points. Um, throughout the trip, I was lost. But during this specific situation, I was lost. Um, I was in a huge train station trying to figure out my way around. Um, didn't have service. It wasn't working well there. Very poor service with my phone plan that I had. Um, and welcome, welcome. Hello. Sorry. Um, so lost in the train station. Didn't have service. There was no Wi-Fi around. Um, I had a, I had a physical paper map, but it was confusing as anything. I can I can 
navigate pretty well, but I'm in a foreign country. It's in English for parts of it, but I'm like, right, I'm trying to follow it. At one point, I literally turned the map upside down. said I was upside down the whole time. <laughs> then I flipped it back around. I said, no, I had it right. And at one point, I'm just like, I don't even know which way is up and which way is down. I was just, I didn't know. I knew where I was, but I didn't know how to get to anywhere where I was trying to go. Um, long story short, I, I asked somebody for directions. And I came across the nicest guy in Europe because I said, hey, you know how to get to this station? Um, I'm trying to get to this area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, you know what? Follow me. I'll, I'll take you there. I'm like, are you, are you sure? I, you, know, you can just point me and tell me like which, you know, which colored train route I need to take. No, 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 it's okay. I'll, I'll go there. So I'm kind of thinking one of two things going to happen. Either this is a really nice guy who's just really trying to help a stranger, or this is the end of a really bad story. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm going to follow this guy. <laughs> so I follow this guy. This guy is literally is not holding my hand, but he's, he's basically holding my hand, guiding me, saying, you know, come on, I'll, I'll take you there. I'm, I'm kind of going that direction anyway. I'm like, well, all right, if you insist. So I follow this guy down. Um, and then he doesn't just stop at a visible point and say, that train right there is your train. He walks with me until I physically get on the train to make sure I don't get lost again. Um, I'm like, no, it's this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, thanks. So no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going with you until you get, I'm like, I know it, but it's this one right here with the doors right in front of me, right? Yeah, it's that one. Cool. I'm, I'm good. He's like, no, no. I'll come with you. I'll make sure you don't. I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> like I told him my destination too, which hotel I'm trying to get to. But he he was just a genuinely nice guy. He walked me literally to the train door till I walked on, so I couldn't get any more lost. Um, and this guy guided me. Literally said, "Follow me. I'll take you there." That's what Jesus means when he says, "I am the way." He doesn't just say, "Here is the way." It's not, you have to do this, follow these laws, follow these commands, that's the way. It's, I am the way. You follow me, you get there. It's a good analogy. I like it. Cool. I think it gets the, the point across pretty clearly in a, in a way that we can comprehend. Because for Jesus to just say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, you're like, okay. You know, where's the way to? No one can come to the Father except through me. So I think that makes it pretty clear. He is the way to the Father. You have to follow him there. He is the only way. Not, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. No, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. People in our days say that, oh, this is my truth. Or that might be your truth, but this is my truth. Yeah. That's not what the word truth means. Truth is truth. And the only foundation of truth is the one who is truth. And Jesus is the truth. This is going to tie into what I'm going to get in next here, but stick with me for a minute. I am the life. What is life? Life is living. Life is being able to do and be. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So there are three options here, um, as popularized by C.S. Lewis, but put into um, prior 
theologians had said prior, but C.S. Lewis really made this um, this kind of theology popular. I'm going to read a quote here from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity, yep, I know it. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, him being Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level with a man who says that he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was, is, the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, Consequently, however, strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. So he's saying here, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Those are the only three options that you can take Jesus as. Anybody, whether you believe in him or not. If he were not Lord, he'd be a liar or a lunatic. If he was a liar, well then he just, you know, convinced a bunch of people to believe what he told people, and he was a great liar because a bunch of people believed him. If he was a lunatic, and he's just going around saying, I'm I'm God, with no reference, and you know, he doesn't he's not trying to lie, and he's just a lunatic. Or the third option, he is the Lord. But it can't be both. He can't be a great teacher because he teaches that he is the Lord. He teaches that he is God. So he can't be a great teacher teaching something false and be great at teaching something false because that's contradictory. Then he's a lunatic. So he's either a liar, he's lying about who he is, he's a lunatic, he doesn't know who he is, or he is the Lord. He is the one who he says he is. That's the trilemma. That's, I believe it's called the trilemma. Thoughts? Yeah. Have you guys ever heard the, the belief that all religions are like spokes of a wheel? Mm -hmm. And they all lead to like the same destination, but they're coming from different perspectives. So like, yes... The, the Hindu gods are the same as as God, um, but they're they're just coming from a different direction. So the spokes, this verse single-handedly wrecks the entire wheel, because he says there there is no other way, right? So either Christianity is right, or the spokes in that bicycle do not line up, right? Yeah. He he, and that's why I love the way says C.S. Lewis says that he's like. He hasn't left that option open to us. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no ability to think anything else. Like he's either one of, he's one of those three things. Yeah. So. Yeah. This, this goes back to my question from several, probably months ago at this point. Um, 
And the question was, who is Jesus to you? There were a few chapters in John where people are trying to trick Jesus, people are trying to find out who he is and trick him and trying to figure out. And every time Jesus is like, I am, I am, I am the I am. I am who I say I am. I am God. I am the Savior. And some people will tell you, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. Yeah, he did. Several times he, he claims to be God because he is. Uh, so anybody who tells you that Jesus never claimed to be God is misinformed or lying. Um, but yeah, so Jesus is either the truth, the way, and the life, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. But he can't be a great teacher. He can't just be a great teacher. He can't just be, as he teaches, that he is God. Happy birthday, Ben. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you, thank <laughs> I you. I just walked in. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You can't be a great teacher and not be the Messiah. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no ability for that. Yeah. He didn't come to the earth to say, I'm a, I'm a great teacher, guys. This is me. Any other thoughts, thoughts on this part here? Parts. Like 1 through 14? 1 through 14, yeah. Any other thoughts on what we read over? I just like the, like, realisticness of Thomas and Philip. Mm -hmm. like, we have no idea where you're going. How, like, just this idea of, like, Jesus speaking plainly, but still kind of cryptically, like, maybe you don't really know 100% what he's talking about or where he's going with this or anything like that. And then Philip's like, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus' response is like, have you, where have you been, Philip? Have you not <laughs> been, like, uh, with me this whole time and you still don't know who I am? I just love how... Jesus so clearly, like, his identity is just, there's no question about it. There's no, he's confident, assured, like, any human tendency to doubt who we are or, like, discover who we are or anything like that and everything that society says that we go through to figure out what our identity is. Like, Jesus, there's none of that for him. He's like, he knows exactly who he is. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And just that thought of, like, the apostles walked and talked with God. Like, God in the flesh. And that's such a foreign concept, because I think we think Jesus, and they are separate. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they are separate. But this, con the concept of, like, the, f the way that we are to operate in the world is the same way in which... Jesus operated in the world because the Father was in him and with us the Holy Spirit is in us like there's that's the correlation like we can do and just like what these later verses say like anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done like that's something we can claim as followers of Jesus like we can do these things we can do them like and it's just wild like I don't know I want to do these things yeah. like I want to do these things for the glory of God not for me but like how amazing would it be to have have that authority and walk 
confidently in it because we know where it comes from. Like, I don't know. There's I'm going off multiple bunny trails. But no, that's fine. It's just really cool to think about, like, just believe that I'm the father, that he's in me, and you and you do the same things. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll do greater things. You'll want, you'll see people get resurrected. You'll see people get healed. You'll see all of these things because, but, and I think a lack of faith and a lack of belief in the fact that we actually have the authority to do these <clears throat> things holds many Christians, myself included, back. Of like, well, that was that was Jesus times. That is not twenty twenty two. Like, but why not? Why can't it be? Like, I yeah, don't know. it's the same spirit. Like, yeah, same spirit then as it is now. Yeah. that works through us. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's good. That that gets to a good point. Uh, verse twelve is really, and then I think verse thirteen is always very mistaken a lot of times. But verse twelve, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, which I think is. It's funny that a lot of times Jesus says, I tell you the truth, or like, truly, truly, I tell you. You know, because like, he just said, like, literally less than a minute ago, I am the way, the truth, and I am the truth. Now, let me tell you the truth. And say, like, well, anything coming from the truth must be true. Um, but he, he says it again, just to make it abundantly clear. Like, what I'm telling you is true. Like, listen up, guys. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. Could you imagine doing something greater than what Jesus did? Now, in the Bible, there Jesus performed 40 recorded miracles in the Bible. Um, John, in the very last verse in the book of John, says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. That's a lot of things. That's a lot of miracles. John's like, look, I wrote down what I felt was the most important. I believe that's the first uh, first little part of the book of John. Uh, nope, just kidding. Um, but John, John only recorded so few miracles of what Jesus did, of what he found was the, the most um, relevant to show who Jesus is. Uh, but he's like, Jesus did so many things. The world couldn't even contain enough books to record all that he did. And Jesus was only here. His, his ministry was only, you know, so long. It was only a few years. Like, you know, he only lived to be, you know, early 30s. And he didn't even start from, you know, right away. And he did so much in that period of time that the world couldn't contain enough books to write down all that. And we can do greater things than that. Jesus said so. Yeah. Um. There's oh, hold on, sorry. Not anyone, sorry, not anyone who believes in me can do the same works I've done in me. No, will. Will do. So, if we haven't done them yet, why is that? That just came to me. I didn't, I didn't see that until just now. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done even greater. Not can, not might, not has the ability to, they will. So it almost begs the question, if you haven't done the same things that Jesus has or greater, why is that? Do you believe in him? Do you not just believe who he is, but do you, not just do you believe him? Oh yeah, I believe he exists. I believe he's a great teacher. Oh, I 
be- I believe in who he is and who he said he is and who he said I am in him. That might be the difference maker. Because if you're just going along saying, yeah, he was a great teacher, you believe who he is. You believe that he exists, but you don't believe in him. All right, go ahead. Sorry, cut you off. Well, to, like, I mean, separate from my thought, but, like, where's the fruit, right? The Mm -hmm. fruit of our faith, the fruit of our belief is going to be, or one expression of it can and should be these things, these works of... Um, greater works so I think that's a great question to ask like where's where is the fruit of our of our faith of our belief um, can can it if our life was a silent movie like you've said before like will it show pictures of these of these things of these works I think that's that's really good to ask um, but there's a song I think the a heavy theme in these first verses is this concept of what does it mean to believe? What does it truly mean to believe in Jesus and everything that he says he is? What what does it mean to do that? And there's a song by Brandon Lake um, and I think Elevation, but I'm not sure. It's the Too Good to Not Believe mm-hmm. song. And that is um, it's one of my favorites, but it talks about these things like... Um, you know, I've seen cancer disappear. That bridge, that whole bridge of, or course, I don't know. It's a bridge. <laughs> seen cancer disappear, seen, you know, prodigals return, all of these things. Like, that's this stuff that we're talking about here. And it's too good to not believe as in Jesus. You're too good to not believe that you are who you say you are, that you're capable. And I love in verse 11 that it says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That's for step one, just believe. But if you can't manage to do that, essentially, or at least believe of the work that you've seen me do, and I think it's very, like, just so beautiful that Jesus gives us an option of, like, okay, say you can't take me, me, the person for who I say that I am, right now, but you can see that you know, a miracle just happened in front of you. Okay, let that lead you deeper. Let that lead you into belief. At least believe that that happened and that that was weird, that that was miraculous. At least believe that much. And I think he knows that the more that those instances, the more that we are, like, made aware of his supernatural power in the world, humanity can't help but question where does it come from? Why is it happening? And, you know, leading people into a deeper understanding of, okay, who's this guy? Because that was amazing. Like, I don't understand. I think the, the fact that he even gives us a lesser option to believe what he does rather than just straight believing in who he is, because he knows that it'll lead us to belief in who he is, is really cool. Mm. Okay, I'm done. What's up, um, I was just going to say, I think it's important to note, too, that, like, miracles can be small, too, as long as it leads to the salvation of a soul, like, a way for Jesus to work in someone's life. Like, we don't have to make people walk on water to believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. like, you know. So, I just think that's cool to think that, like, something small that you do throughout your day, which is just you living out your faith in Christ, can be a witness in front of somebody else and a miracle in their life, and then all of a sudden, 
another family member is added to the kingdom, you know? Yeah. That's a miracle too, you know? That's the greatest miracle. Right. That's on, That's the ultimate goal here, yeah. people. <laughs> That's not just... I, I just heard someone talk about that recently. Maybe it was on the radio. Like, we get so excited. Like, you know, if they're if up on stage, you see somebody go from a wheelchair who's paralyzed and they stand up, people are going to go crazy and lose their mind. Like, uh, the biggest touchdown in the Super Bowl, you know, has happened. Right? And this leads into kind of what I've talked about before. Like, you know, why don't we get excited about spiritual things like we do sports? But I think people get more excited over the outcome uh, or and you know seeing those things of seeing a miracle like whoa did you see what god did this person got healed it's like that's great that that truly is like praise god for that but like if it's like oh someone came to know christ we're like oh cool right it's like like i'm getting baptized oh nice that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that could possibly happen in their entire literally the biggest thing that could happen in their entire life because without it they don't even have life like, it's just be like, oh, cool, they were healed for a little bit, and then they died. Yeah. But it's like, they were just saved from the pits of hell, and now they're going right. to be in the kingdom of God. It's like, whoa! We get our realities mixed up a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our spiritual reality and our physical reality. Yeah. And, and um, so right after what he <laughs> says about, you know, being able to do those same things, he said, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. In Jesus' name, I will win the lottery tomorrow, and I will have a fleet of Ferraris and a, a whole court of houses. In Jesus' name. You said tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just waiting, because I said it in Jesus' name, and it didn't happen. And, and Jesus, let's not forget the part of the Bible that says you ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, two or more are gathered. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That part of the Bible. Yeah, get with the honor talk about people, it. People get so confused. Like, hey, oh, yeah, there's two or more gathered here. I asked. I didn't receive. I asked the G. I even said Jesus while I asked for my wish, and the wish didn't come true. Why isn't this genie, I mean Jesus, working like he should? <laughs> and people so often get confused about that. Even Christians, like, I don't know. I've been, I've been asking in Jesus' name for this to happen. And asking in Jesus' name means that you are speaking on behalf of Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm not going to... If I were to say, in McCabe's name, give me a salad with extra broccoli. <laughs> that's just not something that McCabe would say. I am not speaking on behalf of McCabe. Because that would not happen. If I'm saying, in Jesus' name, God, give me a, right, give me a Ferrari. I found it. It can. It's um, James 4.3. Yeah, Sorry, I, was, I didn't mean I was it. pulling no. it up. Yeah. <laughs> um... And, and when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. There you go. That you may squander it on your pleasures. There you go. Are you asking that for your own pleasure does. or for the kingdom of God? That's what he's saying. For it was there. Name. It just wasn't there. You know, yeah. God didn't make me with that kind of like recall. <laughs> I feel you. Awesome. Guys, I told you this chapter had a lot in it. Yeah. I feel like we could just say on this first half, but... Um, any any final thoughts? No, I'm just kidding. I have one more thought about this first half. <laughs> yeah. This past uh, Saturday at Generosity Global, I was speaking to a guy, um, he, uh, this couple. Um, the woman was um, a believer. The man said he used to be, but is now Islam, is now Islamic. Um, and I was talking with him for a little bit. He was very open to it. 
Um, very, very pleasant conversation. I wish, I wish that conversation happened in this, and maybe I'll, I'll, I hope to see him again, because I think just this little bit of, you know, the C.S. Lewis quote of, hey, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord, three L's, easy to remember, is such a powerful tool to use in evangelism, and just about our normal days, day-to-day life, of, if you come across somebody, you can have a very civil conversation, you don't have to be a debate, you don't have to convince them but just to get them thinking, which might lead to their salvation. But, you know, like, for example, this man that I spoke to earlier this week at, jump, at um, a service opportunity, he was like, I, I asked him, I asked him the question that I like to ask people now. I'm like, okay, so you believe in Jesus. Well, who is Jesus to you? He said, hmm. Um, he, he was a good guy. He was a teacher. I'm like, okay. Um, and then they were, they were trying to leave. I kept him for a little bit to have the conversation that we did. Uh, but they were trying to leave. Um... But I, I could, you know, rebuttal now with that and, and say, hey, you know, that's, that's true. I also believe he was a good teacher, but he, that's not who he came to be. You know, if, I think if you believe that he was only a good teacher and nothing else, that's, then, you don't, then you don't know Jesus because he was either a liar or a lunatic or Lord. He was either a lunatic just shouting crazy things. He didn't even know who he was. He was a liar, and you believe him because you think he's a good teacher, and that's it. Or he's the Lord. Those are the only options. It's like, which one do you think he is? Is he a lunatic? No, I don't, I don't think he was crazy because he, he, made, he made sense in a lot of things. Okay, so he was a liar. He just convinced people. No, no, he was a good teacher. He was a good teacher. You know, like, you know, he said a lot of good things. Oh, yeah. And he also said that he is the way, the truth, and life. He also said that he is the Lord. He is God. No one can come to the Father but through him. So is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? I think that can really just get people thinking. That's going to be the challenge for, not the week, but th- this is a challenge to hold on to that. You know, or if you have other tools that work too, but I think that's a really easy, you don't have to be super deep in, in, you know, deep in theology or anything. Just posing someone that question, hey, Jesus was either a liar or a lunatic or the Lord. Which is it? You decide. Okay, final thoughts on 1 through 14 before we move on? Anybody want to read 15 to 31? Finish it off. Jackie. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him, because he lives with you now, and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans, I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. 
What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Awesome. Come now, let us leave. <laughs> I'm sorry, that sounded like Ben's accent. On <laughs> <laughs> your birthday, I had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> your wedding and you know take back the invite. I'm oh. invite. Oh. You can't yeah, do that. On an RSVP or thoughts, RSVP. comments, questions, <laughs> observations. Love does not exist without obedience. That's good. Tell me how you got to that conclusion. If you love me, obey my commandments. And then later, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. So obedience is a requirement for love. You get it. 83 Ben points because that was almost exactly what I one of the points I was going to hit from verse 21. Trusting, loving, and obeying Jesus are all dependent on each other. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. So he's saying the ones who love me accept the commandments. You're trusting what he says. You trust, you obey, if you love. So they're all dependent on each other. Trusting, loving, and obeying Jesus are all dependent on each other. Good observation. And then again in 23, all who love me will do what I say. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey. that word will again anyone who loves me will obey my teaching not could or can or might anyone who loves me will do this keen observation 38 bonus points 10 points look at verse 27 hold on let me see something here Ooh, I'm going to give myself 28 bonus points because I just saw something I didn't see before Look at verse 27. So, the last part of verse 27. So, don't be troubled or afraid. Let's look at verse 1 again. So, don't let your hearts be troubled. Ah, he's saying the same thing twice. Must be 
It must be. Truly true. Truly true. <laughs> How about that? Verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. A lot of people, I would take it, everybody wants peace. But not everybody wants to do the things that requires peace. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Well, and I think in that verse too, Jesus is making a distinction between the things that we can think of as peace giving or like what mm -hmm. peace looks like and his peace. It's not going to be, it's going to be different because... I might find peace putting in my headphones and going for a walk. Like, all right, this is, I'm good. Like, yeah. this is what, this is the peace that I need. But, like, I think the peace he's speaking to is peace of mind and heart is a more deeper rooted, less circumstantial, less active mm -hmm. kind of peace of, like, me physically putting in something to distract myself or calm myself down or whatever it might be. But it's a gift, again, not something that we earn, but something freely given to us that is available and it's a deeper rooted, okay, the next time an onslaught hits you in the face of like whatever troubles or trials or whatever it is, you're, you can call on the peace of mind that I've given you. Yeah. You can call on that that's, you know ready for you and it's it's in your heart it's in your mind you're not going to be swayed from from it like you can stand steady on it because that's a gift that he's given you not one that you're finding mm -hmm. or creating for yourself um yeah yeah it's good about what you said about distraction yeah you can put on headphones you can do whatever it is that you know when you're troubled or afraid or whatever whatever it is that helps you do what you got to do to be distracted to not think about what you're stressed about. That's not peace. That's just mm -hmm. temporary distraction, not thinking about it. You know, Isaiah 9, 6, um, you know, speaking about a prophecy of Jesus to be born. Um, the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He is the one that peace comes from. Verse 16 And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Another. There are two Greek words for another. Alos and heteros. The difference is this. Let's say I buy a meal, and I don't like it. I don't want to finish it. So I'm going to buy another one of a different kind. That's heteros. That's not this one. Alos is, that was a good meal. I'm going to get another alos of the same kind. I really like this. I'm going to give me another alos. Ah, this was disgusting. Give me another one. Heteros. Give me a different one. This is alos. Jesus will give us another of the same kind. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate, 
he will give you another of the same kind advocate who will never leave you. Not, I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna give you a second trial on this. No, I'm gonna give you the same type of advocate. Um, what we were talking about on verse 27 as well about peace. You know, he's saying like, don't be troubled or afraid. Him giving that. Him giving us this gift, the peace of mind and heart, the peace I give as a gift to the world cannot receive. This isn't a, a gift that exempts us from the storms of life, but the promise that promises us the power and the peace to weather the storm. And he said other times as well, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've already overcome the world. He's not like, dude, just believe in me and everything's good. Nope. He's guaranteed you will have troubles. That's a promise. But it's all right. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. It's okay. I've got this. I've already conquered it all. I'm not saying you're never going to have a storm. But I'll give you the peace and the power to weather it. Verse 28, I have told you these things before they happen. Nope, wait, sorry, verse 28. Remember what I have told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. You know the, uh, you know the phrase, if you love someone, let it, you know, if you love something, let it go, you know. And if it comes back, it's whatever. I think it's the second is it part. Is it close to the second part? If it comes, if you if you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it's meant to be, or whatever. There we go. Yeah. Some stupid. Like I, that. I haven't. I don't know if I've heard that second part, but you know, he's saying, like, yeah, it's it's hard for the disciples to believe um, that that it was a good thing for Jesus to be leaving. They're like, what? Like, where are you going? Like, what's going? What? And he's like, like, trust me, it's good that I leave. If you love me, you would rejoice. Because he's going to return to the Father. You know, it's like, as hard as it is, a believer, when they die, you know, someone that you love, someone that you're close to, it sucks that they leave. That they leave you here on earth. But it's not a bad thing. Take heart. It's okay. He's with the Father. He's returning to the Father. It was best for Jesus it was best for the disciples, and it was best for the rest of the world that Jesus left them. Uh, verse 30 and 31. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. The ruler of this world being the devil. Mm -hmm. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. It's a crazy statement. He's saying, he's declaring that, look, Satan has no foothold, no toehold, no pinky toehold, anything of deception over me. Satan isn't pushing me to the cross, guys. I'm going to the cross out of love and obedience to God the Father and out of love for humanity. That's why I'm leaving you guys. 
Not because the rule of this world has some type of, you know, control over me. He's got no control over me. I'm doing it because the Father says to do it. If you can look at it from two different standpoints and be like, huh, the world got the better of Jesus. Man sent him to the cross. Satan sent Jesus to the cross. No, he sent himself to the cross. He followed, he obeyed the, the Father. Now, overall, this, this whole chapter, this whole chapter 14, it's pretty comforting. Overall, it's a pretty, I think, comforting tone, pretty comforting words. You know, taking heart, you know, hey, have peace, don't be troubled, don't be troubled, don't be troubled. Guys, come on, don't be troubled. It's a pretty comforting message overall in this chapter. I think the reason why is because they needed comforting at this point in time. They were just told that Jesus is leaving them. That they need to not be worried that Jesus is leaving them. The one that they all just left their jobs and homes and families. They just left everything behind to follow this guy. And now this guy is saying, I'm leaving. They're like, what? You just said, told us that one of the 12 of us is going to deny you three times before tomorrow morning? You just told us that one of them that we've been eating with every day is going to betray you? They're pretty discomforted. And so he's giving them a lot of comfort. Which I think just kind of shows that Jesus knows where we're at. He meets us where we're at. He gives us what we need before we ask for it. They're not like, Jesus, comfort us. This sucks. He's like, look, take heart. It's okay. I've overcome the world. Does anything in here speak to anybody personally? If you want to share In verse 17, where he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he leads into all the truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and, it mm. and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. I think for me, when I read that, I was like, man, how many times do I get, or, you know, just in general, get frustrated with people because they can't understand, like, even my own family can't understand why I see the world the way that I do or why I believe so strongly in certain things or whatever it is um, and I, he says like it's almost like gentle conviction and like the world doesn't recognize me the world doesn't recognize what I look like they can't receive me because they don't they don't know and it's like it's humbling in the sense of like okay so what do I do? Like, what is my next step? They can't recognize who he is. What does that mean for my responsibility to my family in this instance? Like, okay, show them. Like, show them what the Holy Spirit. And it's like, okay, God, like I've been showing for the last five real years, five, six years of my life. Like, and they still don't recognize you like they still don't recognize the Holy Spirit they're not like okay and then the solution for that trust you know trust in me don't let your hearts be troubled with it don't let your hearts be burdened by it but like man that's hard but it's also like I can't expect them to live up to a standard that they don't have a true knowledge of because they can't recognize it 
and finding a way of making it more apparent, whether it's in my own life, speaking more openly about it, being more bold about it, whatever that looks like, that's 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 it. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I can do. And prayer, obviously. But it, that was kind of like, that stuck out to me tonight of like, they're not, they're not going to receive because they're not looking for mm-hmm. it. So show, put it in their face in a sense of like, not down their throat and preachy and judgmental as like the Christians have the stereotype of being and doing, but like in a way that makes sense, in a way that like shows the attractiveness of the gospel because it is attractive. And I think that's somewhere else in scripture too. Like what is, why do, what, you know, why do I believe what I believe? Why am I sitting here in a Bible study on a Monday night when I could be doing something else, mm-hmm. anything else? Like, why do I do this? Why do I make it such a big part of my life? Show them, show them that they would recognize him too, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, verse 19 sure sounds like 2022. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Sure sounds like me speaking of right now. <laughs> the world sure doesn't see Jesus right now. Some of us do, because we look for him. Um, it reminds me of two things. Um, Pharaoh, you know, back in uh, Old Testament, Pharaoh of Egypt, when he had um, you know, all the Israelites, and Moses was saying, let my people go, you know, God continued to harden his heart, and it said each time that, you know, this plague came, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. God hardened his heart even more. God hardened his heart even more, and he was still stubborn and said, nope, I'm not letting you go. Nope, I'm not letting you go. All right, fine. After all these plays, fine, I'll let you go. All right, now we're going to go chase him back. God kept hardening his heart. But it never said God was the one who made his heart hard. Pharaoh's heart was hard toward God. God just hardened it. If your heart is soft toward God, God will soften it. Also reminds me of uh, Luke 16, 19 through 31. This is about the rich man and Lazarus. I'm not going to read the whole part. Um, essentially, there's a, there's a chasm. And a chasm that cannot be crossed by anyone. Um, and uh, the, the beggar um, is, is in hell. Oh, sorry. The rich man is in hell. He's in torment. And he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he's just, he's just calling out, Father Abraham, have pity on me, son Lazarus, to dip the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony and fire. And it shows that hell isn't just a party place for all the sinners and people who didn't. No, it's agony. And, and he's like, He's like, he's like, he's like, Abraham, just send Lazarus, who's with you right now, to, to my five brothers to warn them so that they won't have to come also to this place of torment. And Abraham said, they have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them listen to them. And the rich man's like, no, no. If someone came back from the dead and goes to them, they'll repent. And Abraham's like, mm-mm. If they don't even listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not even going to be convinced if someone is raised from the dead. And that's a really, that's a, I think that 
how it really correlates here to the world who isn't looking for him. It doesn't matter what you show them. If they don't want to see Jesus, they're not going to. If their heart is so hard, and not to say that don't you know doesn't that I'm not saying this to say oh if someone doesn't believe in Jesus, don't try to you know convert them, don't try to preach to them, don't tell them the truth. Not what that is at all. It's just showing some people's hearts are so hardened, it takes a lot longer for them for their heart to be reversed, to be softened, squishy, to be have a squishy heart like Jackie's French fries. <laughs> And we can't be the savior either, you know. Like it's going to be according to God's time and God's plan. Like, like if we said go send Lazarus, that's to save them. That's not. That might not be God's plan. Like we might be trying to do stuff to save people, and when it doesn't work, we get discouraged, which will take a little damper on our faith a little bit because we set this expectation that God didn't meet because it was ours, not His. So like it's also important to take courage and like take heart in um in like his will and his plan and his timing and just continue to have that strong faith, you know? Because yeah. that was something I've struggled with before. It's like where am I placing my hope? Am I placing my hope in the person I'm trying to save, waiting for them to tell me what I want to hear so I can be encouraged? Am I placing my hope in myself so like to see if I can save them? Or is my hope in Jesus and I, my faith is strong in him? And then I see the works of his hand instead of trying to see the works of my own, which will always make me discouraged and then set me back, you know? Yeah. What was that reference in Luke what? That was Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. That's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Luke 16, 19 through 31. Any final thoughts on anything from this whole chapter? Good stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> There's lots of, lots of stuff here. Yeah, with everything going on in the world, just stupid COVID stuff, like, it's so nice to have some comfort. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Because, man... I've been, I've been, I think I feel like a broken record sometimes, like telling Ben all the time, sometimes complaining, other times just thinking like, man, it's so stupid um, that, you know, my job's still requiring me to like get the weekly COVID test because I have the vaccine exemption. And it's like, sometimes I think, okay, yeah, you know, I, I made that decision for myself personally to not get it. And I wrote a letter in order for them to approve that. And now it's like, okay, am I, sometimes I question, like, am I facing consequences or am I facing, I don't know, whatever, something else, (laughs) you know, like, consequences just sound bad. So, like, something else, but, like, good, you know, of it. Because now it's like, not only I have to do it in another place that takes longer for me to get the test but like it doesn't seem like there's no there isn't a, the end to it and then today talking to a person that you know knows more about any updates about this it was just so discouraging like she said yeah I don't see this ever stopping and like she's getting it too you know and I'm like ah oh, this is so frustrating like it's just one little thing but like geez and sometimes it's just so hard to you know, 
put it into practice, not let my heart be troubled, not, you know, let these things get to me and think in another way, like, Jesus already overcome this, like, you know, I cannot wait to be in heaven with him and be worshiping him 24-7. Like, it's really hard to change that mindset of, like, when you're in the midst of, of these things every single day. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's great to have a, a solid rock, a solid yeah. place of hope, and not, you know, hoping in people, hoping in situations that change. God is like, God should and, yeah, should be the only rock that our hope is on. I want to read one other part here. Um, this is from um, um, an essay of C.S. Lewis. Um, this is continuing on the same thought of of what he had previously wrote. He kind of wrote, I might share this link. Um, he kind of wrote out questions and responses to people, how they kind of get to this of, you know, he's either a liar or a lunatic or the Lord. And, and then what if someone, you know, rebuttaled and said this? Well, then you can say this. And then what if somebody, you know, says, no, he was simply a great moral teacher. This is Lewis's response. In my opinion, the only person who can say that sort of thing is either God or a complete lunatic suffering from that form of delusion which undermines the whole mind of man. If you think you are a poached egg and you are not looking for a piece of toast to suit you, you may be sane, but if you think you are God, there is no chance for you. We may note in passing that he was never regarded as a moral teacher. This is, this is the part to listen to. He did not produce that effect on any of the people who actually met him. Meaning Jesus never told people or tried to produce that effect of guys. He's, he was never trying to get the point across that he was a good moral teacher. He produced mainly three effects. Hatred, terror, and adoration. There, there was no trace of people expressing mild approval. I think that those last two sentences were really key. Jesus produced mainly three effects. Hatred, terror, adoration. There was no trace of people expressing mild approval. You either hated him because he was a liar, you were in terror because he's a lunatic, or you're in adoration because he's the Lord. There was no one being like, yeah, I'm a little scared, but I'm also a little, I'm showing some adoration. There's, there's no... I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, Nic I think there Nicodemus who comes to mind. Of like I think he there are was, people who are confused. He was on the fence, I feel like. He, like. he wanted to believe, but he was like, is he, is he not? I don't hate him, but I should hate him because I'm a Pharisee. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, he had a decision to make. Oh, for sure. But in terms of mild approval, I, I would put Nicodemus in that category, personally. Okay. Not that's to fair. disagree with one of the great people. I mean, that's fine. Hey, like, disagree <laughs> with him. C.S. Lewis is also a man, so he's, he's not perfect. Even more reason. Um, but... I don't think that's as much as what he's referring to when he's talking about the, the mild approval. Because Nicodemus, it was a lack of faith issue, which is what Jesus has been talking about for a lot of it. Was just the, is just, he was talking about it in verses 1 through 14, I think it was 5 and 8, where uh, Thomas and Philip, Philip both kind of ask questions that Jesus is like, bro, where's your faith, bro? Mm -hmm. So 
I think that's more of the where Nicodemus was. But yes. Awesome guys, good, good conversation. I really enjoyed it today. Um, I do it every time, but especially today, I thought it was really, really cool. Um, a lot of good stuff in there. Like, man, fourteen might be my favorite chapter so far. Like, that was, I was thinking that while we were talking. Like, there was a, this is one of my there was a lot. You could so easily just read that and continue to the next chapter, but that the that's the point of this entire series that we've been going through. John slowly zooming in of. Let's focus on what he's saying and not just read it to read it, um, but to really read it to to listen to God, what he had to say and what he has to say to us. Because I've read this before, you know, at times when we've done, you know, three chapters a day, we're just reading this in passing. So easy, just read it. Oh, okay, that's a little bit, there's a lot there, but okay, yeah, I think I got that all. Wow, there's a lot there. Cool. I'm going to close this out because I might just keep talking and be amazed for a while. God, thank you so much for this day. Uh, thank you that we get to just really dig into your word and really just chew on it and, and just savor it and enjoy the taste and delight in it and digest it and let it get into our bodies and systems and become part of us because that's really what this should be. Not even a, a Bible study, but a feast. Being able to come and and let's all let's all share this meal together, and let's all let's all partake of you, because that's what you told us to do: is come and, and eat your flesh and drink your blood, and that's what we're doing here, God. Um, help us to be able to reach out to people. Help us to be able to to see you, and to be able to show others your light, to be the light in this world, um, to cling on to these these tools, to cling on to the hope that only you can provide, um, and to take heart in you because there's a lot that's discerning in this world, that's that's disheartening in this world. Um, help us to take heart and not be troubled because you've told us that a lot, a few times even just in this one chapter, to take heart, to not be troubled, to trust in you, to obey your commands. Help us to live this out. And just pray for blessings over everybody tonight and um, also for those who couldn't be here and for all of our families um, just that you're with everybody we pray for healing for those who need it we pray for comfort for those who need it we pray for salvation especially for those who need it we ask all these things in your name Jesus because you would ask for these things so we are going to hope and believe that you will let it be Amen Hey, thanks for listening it's always a good time when God's presence is with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.